You are listening to African Father in America podcast by Simon Javano Kelly live from Seattle, Washington, USA. Greetings beautiful people. Thank you for joining me for another amazing episode of the African Father in America podcast. My name is Simon Javan Okelo and I am in Seattle, Washington, here in the west coast of the US and today I am truly privileged to be uh, having a wonderful wonderful uh, sister uh, as a guest here, Miriam Segen is an incredible leader and is joining us today for the show. Uh, this is an episode that we've been working on for quite a long time and I'm just so happy that it's finally happening. Uh, Miriam is the founder of the African Art Society. Uh, Miriam, do you want to just say hi quickly before we continue on with the conversation? Uh, hi everyone. Uh, good morning for those in the US. And uh, I'm based in London, um, so it's the afternoon for me. But uh, I'm happy to be here and uh, uh, this, have a conversation with you, uh, Simon. Excellent, excellent. Thank you so much, uh, Miriam. Again, uh, I always call you again. Uh, and uh, I was saying just before the show began that I have a lot of love and respect for you, especially because of the content of the work that you do. Uh, you know, with art and also the content of your tweets. You always share very deep historical, meaningful posts on Twitter, especially around the Horn of Africa, which we really need uh, right now. A lot of the time when we hear about Africa, no matter which part of Africa, we just hear it from other sources, not our people, especially well, uh, you know, read and uh, educated people like you. So uh, our conversation today, for those who are joining us for the first time, is going to be grounded on another African proverb. Every episode of the African Father in America podcast since 2020 February has always been grounded by an African proverb. And so today our episode takes us to Nigeria, where our proverb says that Truth keeps the hand cleaner than soap. Truth keeps the hand cleaner than soap. Today's proverb is a powerful reminder of the cleansing power of truth. While soap can remove dirt, grim from your hands, uh, only truth can purify your souls. And I want to share three nuggets of wisdom uh, that can just deepen your understanding of today's proverb before we jump into hearing what our guest thinks about this proverb and also learning a lot more about, uh, you know, her background and also some of the work that uh, she's currently doing in London. So the first nugget of wisdom, before I do that, I actually want to remind all our viewers and our listeners, uh, some of whom are in London, some of whom are in the US, some of whom are in uh, you know, in Africa, you know, Brian Berg, I see you joining us in, from Glasgow, uh, M. Jewel, I see you joining us from Florida, and I know that uh, my people in Kenya and the other parts of Africa are also joining us. Make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel, you know, that's one of the ways that you can help grow this platform. And also make sure you share this video, uh, you know, whether you're watching on TikTok, on Facebook, on LinkedIn, uh, on Instagram, you know, take a moment 
and share this video leave your comment so that we know that you're watching but also so that we know your understanding of today's proverb so i said that the proverb is from nigeria and it says that truth keeps the hand cleaner than soap this is the first nugget of wisdom inspired by this proverb the cleansing power of truth this nigeria proverb underscores uh, the idea that the truth has a powerful cleansing effect in our lives just as soap cleanses our hands the truth can purify our actions and intention and keep us on the right path you know if you are guided by truth you are almost uh, as if you're walking with your with your if you all remember during the pandemic you only wanted to associate with people who had uh, hand sanitizers <laughs> now uh, this proverb reminds us that you know uh, keeping your hands clean is really almost like being truthful and so let uh, your actions be guided by truth let truth be like your soap walk with it everywhere number two honesty is essential it's one of the basics you know uh, the proverb here reminds us that the uh, you know the, there is a lot of importance when it comes to honesty and being truthful in our lives you know being truthful can help us build stronger relationships gain trust with others and leave uh, you know leave our conscience with a lot of clarity sleep well you know many people who are always dishonest have even a hard time falling asleep you know their minds are disturbed all the time so if you want to sleep well be truthful number three truth brings peace you know living a life of honesty and truthfulness can bring a sense of peace and contentment in our lives by being true to ourselves and others we can avoid the stress and anxiety that often comes with living a life of deception and deceit uh miriam again when you hear all this and when you hear this nigerian proverb truth keeps the hand cleaner than soap what is it that comes to your mind um make me think of um we have a tendency when things um in life to cover up or look at hiding by having something that looks nice and uh, looking at superficiality to cover for struggles or any issue that we might have um we tend to ignore the truth um and um the truth um whether it's living by your own truth or um on or really um uh, not hiding and um and it doesn't matter how much you clean how much you hide how much you cover up um the truth will only be the thing that will allow you to uh, move forward with your life um uh be um with others um you mentioned how uh, people would only during pandemic where people were thinking of I don't want to get close to anyone who's not washing their hands. But um, when you think about your truth, how do you? How does it make you allow you to live uh, amongst people? Um, when I think about community, something I care a lot about, um, your truth would allow you to um, to live amongst people and others, and uh, and be connected to the wider community. Um, yeah. I love that. I love that. Thank you so much, uh, Miriam. Uh, and also thank you to everyone who is joining us on TikTok. Uh, I want you to make sure you share the live if you're watching the show on TikTok. 
and also invite some of your friends who are joining us for the show. We are also live streaming on YouTube and Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. And, uh, you know, without you all, we cannot have these important conversations that we are having right now with our wonderful guest, Miriam Segen. Miriam is, uh, as I said earlier, is the founder of the Africa Art Society, which was set up to connect audiences to contemporary artists of African descent. And Miriam sits on the board uh, and uh, the, she sits on the board of the Equalities Advisory Committee of South London Gallery. You know, uh, this is beautiful work. You don't find a lot of Africans in spaces like this. And I want you to share with us just a little background story of how did you, uh, well, what is it that happened in your childhood, maybe when you were 8 to 16, uh, that really inspired who you are today as a leader. And whenever you are in these spaces uh, advocating for African artists, uh, you know, you are reminded of that moment of your childhood uh, that drives you even today as we are here having this conversation. Yeah, so, um, so I so I, I grew up in France um, and uh, I, I came as a refugee with my parents. It was uh, during the time of the uh, independence war for Eritrea. And um, so we were not many Eritreans um, in, in France, but we were all connected irrespective of the city where we were and um, something that um, my, my, my dad was doing uh, during our first during our time since the day we arrived in France was to stay connected to the community but not just to have that um, that link with others but also to whatever knowledge he was getting um, whatever whatever access and um, uh, information he was getting he was making sure that it was spread around the community um he was giving guidance he was um mentoring um pushing everyone to to to, to the broader community to, uh, to to find um the best path to make sure that they, they were having a safe life and uh, able to raise their children um so my dad was very much um uh someone that was that cared a lot about the community and make, making sure that everyone was successful but also was able to access um, the same thing that he was able to for his own family and that's something that struck me it was very important to me something that i didn't realize at the time i was just seeing my dad just um uh, being uh, encouraging everyone um, but that's something that for me um showed that how important it is to whatever privilege you have access to, um, whatever um, network you have access to, it's important to, to share it with the, the wider community so that everyone can to, to lift up everyone and um, making sure that you get to, to that place where um, you, you, everyone is accessing the same privilege that you have. Um, and that's something that became very much important to me as I was getting uh, access to certain other type of privilege, uh, whether it was in France or now in the UK. Um, yeah, so that, that that's something that really, yeah, that, that, that still remains with me and something that inspired me a lot. And I'm hoping to 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 do the same thing. Yeah, that's that's wonderful. Uh, you know, I I remember being raised by a mother that fits the characteristics of your dad that you're describing to us who was always not just fighting 
for us as her children but we had like you know tens of children that lived with us in our household on a day-to-day basis and it really it really shaped who I am today and I love that you know you're taking these lessons uh, from your dad and you're bringing it to to Europe from France to now London where uh, you are not just you know focused on your own initiatives but you're deeply involved with uh, human rights work in Eritrea you are focused on uh, the way that refugees are being treated is something that concerns you uh, and you are very passionate about the work that is going on in South London Gallery. I was telling you before the show that my oldest sister and her family live in South London and so uh, what the work you're doing is very important to me. I just realized that right now. So I want you to talk to us about what is it of the work you do at South London Gallery? What is it about it that makes you, you know, very, very proud? Yes, so I think um, I, I've been interested in African art, uh, well, in art in general for, for the longest, and more specifically artists that are coming from the African continent, whether it's they are based in Africa or they're in the diaspora, uh, because it talks to me. Um, but I also see so much um, value, whether even if you're not an artist or someone who wants to become an artist as as a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a human being, as an African, uh, art has been present on the African continent for the longest. Um, we don't talk too much about it. We don't have the knowledge about how far it goes, but it's been there for the longest. And um, it's important to me to have um, that connection with, um, to, 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 to learn from artists from African descent. And so that's why I have the, I started to build that African Art Society platform um, as I'm spending so much time going around art exhibition and also meeting artists um, to show their existence and the work they are doing. Um, when it comes to the South London Gallery, um, they are, it's based in South London. Uh, Obviously, but uh, it's also um, so. I don't know if if you're familiar with London, South, um, the area of um, South East London um, is uh, there's a huge um, African uh, diaspora uh, from Ghana, from Nigeria, but also from Somalia um, and other uh, places in Africa. And the place that the South London Gallery has in the middle of that large African community is very crucial because. Um, we have a, a program that is free um, to bring the children of the community into the art world to teach them about the different type of arts that exist um, and uh, get them very familiar. There's also a film uh, program to expose them to, to what the filming is about. And it's again a free program. Um, so I sit on the board of South London Gallery, but I'm also part of the equality um, committee, which is focusing on the staff, because one other aspect of the art is that not just um, we, we don't have much visibility for African artists, but we also don't have many people working in the arts that come from African descent. And one of the reasons is because you don't get paid that much when you work in art. So, um, and the other aspect is also the exposure to arts. Um, so with the, com the, the, the committee, we, we, uh, we make sure that anyone from diversity background um, is not meeting is any issues. So if they have any concerns with the way they are, um, they, 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 
things are working for them. If they need some help, uh, then they can reach out to that committee I, I, I am part of to, uh, to address those issues and um, find a solution so that they can feel comfortable and uh, um, excel at that job in the art world. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. I love how you also mentioned that African art uh, has been in existence for the longest time, maybe the oldest uh, form of art around, you know. And in fact, if you look at, I recently have been watching a lot of viral videos uh, that are calling out uh, some of these big fashion brands that are stealing African art and infusing it in their own uh, branding and making millions of dollars while African, uh, you know, artists and creators and tribes that own the original uh, pieces are uh, struggling, you know. Uh, I want you to speak about that. I want you to speak about that briefly, but I also then want you to talk about, uh, you know, the human rights issues that are going on in Eritrea, uh, and some of the ways that uh, African refugees are being treated in Europe and uh, just your own perspectives and some of the work that you see that is going on to change, uh, you know, to change all of these three things. Uh, now, before you speak, uh, Miriam, I just want to remind our audience members who are watching on YouTube, make sure you leave us with your comment so that we know what you think about today's proverb from Nigeria truth keeps the hand cleaner than soap let us know in the comment what you think miriam go ahead yeah so i guess on the uh, you're absolutely right we see like i guess recently we've been seeing more and more, um, a reminder of how african art is being copied and not credited for the the, the, the creativity behind um it's not new um picasso did copy African art and got all the credibility um, and uh, the, the popularity behind, um, and that was stolen from um, African artists. Um, I guess one of the challenges that, um, uh, and the reason why that um, the West is able to steal from African artists is because African artists are not being seen and uh, valued and um, exhibited in places that have that kind of exposure, and that's basically Europe or um, the US. Um, so the, 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 the more visible artists from Africa are gonna be, the less, the more difficult it will be to copy them without crediting them with the actual creativity. So hopefully we'll get there soon. I love that. So the idea of ensuring that African artists are visible, uh, and and they are shown with their work as consistently as possible makes it difficult for their work to be copied i love that i love that uh that's why i do these proverbs because when an african shares these proverbs and we document it on podcast platforms video uh you will not find somebody else actually copying them and using them carelessly so i feel that i am taking part in preserving a, a, a form of African art, which is African proverbs. And of course, African wisdom, uh, you know, lives in these proverbs. Um, but I want you to speak about Eritrea. You know, Eritrea, a lot of the time for me, is a mysterious place, you know. Uh, until recently, when uh, the new Ethiopian prime minister started going there, we started seeing the Eritrean prime minister on TV. And then even most recently, he, he visited Kenya, you know, 
and in fact in Kenya right now as we speak uh you know uh, more than half of the country are out in the street you know we have an illegitimate government that is about to be kicked out of uh of the state house uh because of how the west actually influenced bringing into power the current uh, illegitimate government in Kenya and i feel that the west uh does a lot of interference in the affairs of africa even if you look at nigeria right now uh, people are accepting but they're not moving on you know and uh i just i just wonder like from your own perspective from an artist uh an artistic perspective from your own observation from your experiences as um you know someone who has lived in France and and uh and 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 the UK how do you see the situation back in Eritrea and you know just in general Africa yeah i guess um the the, the challenge for non eritrean with when it comes to eritrea is um the the you don't see what is happening on the ground um, unless someone, unless you read the reports um, and the human rights report that are uh, published on an annual basis. And if you also listen to the testimonies of Eritreans who have fled the country, because Eritrea, so Eritrea became independent um, about uh, in 1993 after a referendum. Um, the, the, the war for independence ended in 1991. Um, but we haven't had any elections um, since the independence, so three decades of the same uh, president, which was not elected. It was uh, he was a part of the uh, interim um, interim gov uh, government uh, that was tasked with um, uh, getting the constitution together and uh, preparing for election. But elections have not happened. Um, you don't have any opposition um, allowed in the country. Um, you have uh, only a state-owned media, so you don't have any privately-owned media. Um, and anyone who is speaking against the, the, or criticizing the regime ends up in, a, in jail um, with no trial. Um, so there's been three decades of um, um, everyone, people getting into, in, in jail without any trial, uh, but, um, and you have also indefinite um, military service. So there are other, you have countries where you have the, the military service is mandatory, but it's usually two years um, or 18 months. In Eritrea, there's no end date. Um, so not only there's no end date, uh, but also uh, the, 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 the people who are in the military service might be um, sent to work. Um, so it's, they, they call it modern day uh, uh, slavery. So um, uh, they, they are sent to work in, uh, in factories or um, for very, very little um, money. Um, so the current state of Eritrea is you, you, you and you don't have any freedom of movement. That's another thing. So um, you you have checkpoints, um, and you need to have a permit as a Eritrean citizen to be able to move around the country. Um, and you cannot leave the country as an Eritrean. Um, you need to have an exit visa, which is um, unlikely to be um, granted by the by the government. So so today, I mean, for the last um, few decades, um, we often hear about Eritreans as refugees coming to Europe. 
um, or the US, um, Eritrean are fleeing the country because um, uh, they are fleeing independent uh, military service, they are fleeing uh, oppression, uh, they are fleeing uh, persecution because of their religious belief. Um, Pentecostal or even uh, can, uh, people cannot practice their religion, for example. Um, so we've had we, we do have a lot of uh, Eritreans leaving the country for those uh, for human rights um, uh, issues. Um, and um, when it comes to the point you were making about uh, the West uh, interference, um, it's a, an interesting one because um, we often hear you would have um, those who are supporting the, the current state um, of Eritrea would uh, argue that it is standing strongly against um, uh, against the, uh, the, the the Western interference, but that's more complex. That's that's not entirely true. You, you have a lot of investments that are made. Um, by um, American companies or European companies or Australian companies. So the reason really that that, that argument doesn't really stand. Um, so yeah, so human rights um, in Eritrea are non-existent today. Um, and there are reports coming out on an annual basis about um, how bad it is. Um, and yes, the, the, and, and the Eritrean president did go to um, Kenya recently and had a, there was a press uh, conference that uh, was held and interestingly one of the journalists uh, asked a question about um, when uh, what was the plan after his uh, his uh, presidency whether he had planned to um, step down or if he was going to stay as a president for until he dies um, and uh, and uh, he he had a very bad reaction to that question <laughs> yeah yeah that's it's it's incredible it's incredible uh what the histories of our countries and especially eritrea and uh, i just want you to also speak about something that uh, i saw you post uh on international women's day uh the jigna women fighters the eritrean liberation front you know i love stories about uh women liberation fighters in africa they are rarely talked about, you know, mm. and that makes me very mad because I know how hard my mom worked. And I know that if my mom was Eritrean in 1977, she would be one of these women with an AK-47, you know, liberating her community. You know, mm. uh, talk to me about uh, why this is important to you, the story of the Jigna women. Just say it properly if I don't say it well. No, no, yeah, absolutely. Um, I know I mentioned the, uh, the 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 state of Eritrea, but I think the important thing, which is, I mean, in Eritrea, but also I guess it's probably something across um, Africa, is the love that the people have for their community and for their country. Um, and uh, during the War of Independence, it was not only men who went to fight for the liberation of the country; it was also women um, and. Uh, they, they had um, similar position, they were fighting, they were trained, um, they, had, they were either medical uh, on the medical side or they were uh, fighting along uh, with men. And that's something that is very important because, I mean, we, we come from women and, uh, and, the, and, and the, 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 the thought that uh, those before you were strong women that, were, that, would, that would sacrifice their life um, to protect uh, not only their children, but also 
the broader community is uh, something that is very powerful. Um, my, my mom was actually a freedom fighter along with my dad, so that's before we came to, to France. And um, when I when I see whenever I see women fighting um, or represented as fighters, it's, uh, it's for me it's a strong message that uh, women really um, carry um, the community, carry their um, their, their, their country, um, and without women. Uh, there isn't, and, and, and it's interesting to me because um, despite the contribution of women, um, they don't necessarily hold as much power after the liberation as men do. Um, so that's something that is also interesting to me, the, 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 the contribution versus um, the, the recognition. Um, we need to recognize more um, African women who are fighting for their, for the, yeah, for their people. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, I just love uh, having this conversation with you. I feel like questions keep coming up. I have one more question for you, uh, but I want to engage our audience members, especially those who are on YouTube who join us consistently uh, and those who are joining us on LinkedIn and Facebook and uh, TikTok. Uh, those who are on TikTok, make sure you share the link and also make sure you share with me in the comments where in the world you're joining us from. Uh, and uh, I'm here with a really, really wonderful guest, Miriam Segen, who is the founder of the African Art Society. And uh, the African Art Society was set up to connect audiences to contemporary artists of African descent. And uh, Miriam also sits on the Equalities Advisory Committee of South London Gallery. We've talked about so many things, you know, from uh, what inspires her, as, uh, you know, from her childhood to do the work that she does today. We've talked about, uh, you know, the human rights situation in Eritrea. Uh, we've talked about the freedom fighters, the women freedom fighters. You know, this is still March Women History Month, and we just celebrated International Women's Day. And so we just talked about some of the women that fought for the independence, the, the freedom of Eritrea. Um, and, uh, you know, Miriam, because you're very knowledgeable and because you're in London, uh, as we are hearing from our guests, you know, as we are getting the comments, I want to give you all some shout outs. So if you're on YouTube, make sure you let me know where in the world you're joining us from so that I can give you a shout out before the end of the show. And also make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel. It's at Okelo Javan or a fear podcast, African Father in America podcast. Um, Miriam, you know, one of the things that uh, fascinate me and annoy me at the same time is the story of these stolen African artifacts. You know, last year during Africa Day, I interviewed someone from London. He's an executive director of an organization in London that documents all the stolen African artifacts, you know. Um, I wanted you to speak about that. In your work with the African Art Society, have you interacted with any of these stolen artifacts? And what are your thoughts? Uh, should they all be returned to Africa where they were, were stolen from? Or should they just be taken care of and uh, African people in the countries where these artifacts are be given the authority to take care of these artifacts, but also make some money off of them because you're in the gallery business and art galleries make a lot of money, but we need money to go to the communities where 
even even some of the heads of leaders from Africa are still in London uh, warehouses and galleries, you know, and these are things that concern me, you know. Speak to that for a moment. Yeah, um, yeah it, this, uh, I think the first, um, France has started to do, uh, there was a research um, that was made to identify how many um, had been uh, artifact had been stolen. Um, the, the report was quite massive, um, and I think um, Germany was had done something similar, following up. Um, and uh, they, they they are meant they are talking about intention to return uh, those artifacts. I think they are a long way of actually returning the artifact. The, the acknowledgement is one step. Um, what we want to see is the return of those artifacts. Um, the UK is more uh, reluctant. The British Museum doesn't want to return those artifacts. Um, and uh, my, my, in, in my opinion, that should be returned. As you mentioned, um, uh, it, it, I mean, there's two aspects of it. Um, those are art. This, this is art that has been created by Africans. Um, and the importance of those those artifacts is that they are representative of the local um, community. Um, they do mean something. It's part of history. Um, when you take away art from anywhere in Africa, you take away the history of that country. Um, the history and the culture is um, is important because it it allows us to to know where we're from, where we're coming from. Um, so that's the first aspect, the need for that art to be close to the community that uh, whose ancestors have created those arts. Um, the other element is the financial aspect. Um, as, as a museum, as a museum in Benin, in, uh, in the capital of uh, Benin, um, you can lend, you can lend, uh, lend the, uh, the, the art to um, the a museum in New York, for example, if you want, because obviously art, everyone needs to see art, whatever the countries um, has, created that, um, that art, but you can, um, today, museums are borrowing art from each other to show the art to the local community. Um, there is a cost behind, but that cost goes to the country where the art was taught initially. So um, the, 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 when you return those artifacts, you're not saying that we are gatekeeping those artifacts, you're saying that you want to 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 be able to manage and um and and store and uh, make sure that uh, the art is protected um, and that you also are able to give the narrative around the art how it's been created how um what was the purpose of that art you know um and uh, and that's for the community uh, and the country to control and to define the story around that art it's not for france it's not for the uk to say um, why to, 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 to tell the story um, about the art that was created, say, um, in Cameroon, for example. Um, so that's, that's my perspective. I think that it should go back. Um, um, yeah. And an argument that are being given by uh, in terms of not returning those art is uh, that um, those countries don't have the infrastructure to, uh, to, to do it. But um, I think it's a, it's a weak argument. Um, and that's something that can be organized, countries can choose to, uh, to, 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 to finance or to fund a museum to make sure that this is happening. Yeah, but also the same people are saying these African countries can't take care of their own artifacts. They're the ones who destroyed the museums in Africa where these artifacts were. They're the ones who destroyed the libraries in Africa, you know. So they should actually pay for the building of these libraries. They should pay 
the families of the people whose whose body parts you know their heads of chiefs in Af- from Africa even a Kenyan chief uh, their head is still in London somewhere you know uh, so the, the 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 British should be paying the Germans should be paying for the for the for the museums that can preserve these art artifacts to be built because they destroyed it and history actually shows us that it's not thousands of years ago it's just a few hundred years ago not even a few hundred a little almost 200 years you know ago so uh you know i just thank you so much uh miriam for being such a wonderful guest i want to just recognize some of the comments coming from our our audience members i just want to thank everyone who is joining us on tiktok you know uh i haven't been so uh you know um uh you know very very active on tiktok the way i'm supposed to be so now i'm live streaming on tiktok as part of the live broadcast for the african father in america podcast every monday to friday at 6am pacific standard time that is 5pm east african time and 9am eastern standard time that's the east coast of the us and i think it's around 3pm London time is that right yeah uh, 2 p.m 2 p.m 2 p.m London time okay great 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 so uh, as you know or as you are seeing or listening my guest has been Miriam Segen the founder of the African Art Society and uh, you should listen to the beginning of this conversation to get caught up on some of the things we covered but i want to give a shout out to uh, you know M Jewel joining us from uh, Florida uh and mjl says that uh she also feels strongly uh that the europeans should return all of the stolen art to africa uh it it certainly doesn't represent them in any form uh outside of thievery you know yeah if you have artwork that you stole from somewhere and you're still keeping it then you are a thief you know because in a court of law uh thieves are always caught with the evidence of what they are being accused of stealing you know so i agree with what m jerry is saying here uh i want to give a shout out to cubs destiny who is also saying uh good now people truth gives people sleep that is true that is in relation to the proverb today and also brian berge is saying hello to you again is in glasgow and brian berge and i used to go to the same boxing gym in kenya So we knew we've known each other for a long time. So Brian, thank you. You are one of the people that really really support me. Uh even when I was a DJ long before I moved to Seattle, I was a reggae DJ. Brian supported me and even when I was in high school, I remember you Brian. So I just thank you very much for still uh you know checking on me even from where you are in London. I hope I can see you actually sometime in June. I'm hoping to be in London. for a few days now um to everybody who will be watching this later on uh you know thank you all i see a lot of growth on my youtube channel and that's where we are putting a lot of energy uh, so that we can grow the african father in america podcast so that we can get uh this african proverbs to many many people on a day to day basis you know i feel very very proud as the father of three children here in america who are african children 
to have conversations with them around African proverbs on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, where sometime when, when I have a difference with one of them, another one brings up an African proverb that solves a problem, you know. I think that is very, very important. And so I want to encourage you, if you haven't uh, invited a friend of yours to subscribe to my channel, this is a good time for you to do that. If you haven't uh, shared the link to today's video, this is a good time for you to do that. And also, if you haven't commented with your own interpretation of today's proverb, the proverb is from Nigeria, and it says, Truth keeps the hand cleaner than soap. Every episode of the African Father in America podcast starts with beautiful African proverbs, and uh, we can't do this without our wonderful guests like uh, Miriam. Miriam, how can people who are watching stay connected with you and also how can they support the amazing work that you do yeah um so i have uh, my platform is on instagram it's called um, african art society um so at the moment i'm mostly um uh, putting the spotlight on artists with uh, roots in africa and trying to have um, as many coverage of countries uh, as possible i'm planning on um growing uh, this platform into something that is about giving more details on like um, information about um, art exhibition that you can go and see but also uh, more um, profiling about um, those, those artists learning and uh, getting more knowledge about those artists that are coming from africa um, so that's the main platform that i have um, and you can follow me there um, if you subscribe on the newsletter there as well um, uh, I'm working on a newsletter to uh, give more details on that as well. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you so much, Miriam. I just want you to know that this is now your platform. Anytime you have an event going on that you want your people to be aware of, anytime there's an issue going on in Eritrea where you want to come and speak about it, this is your platform. So thank you for making the time despite your busy schedule over there in London. And, uh, you know, I want to thank Brother Arth. Brother, Brother Arth is an amazing uh, supporter of the show. He's also joining us on YouTube. And uh, I want to thank everybody who supported us this week. You know, we've been broadcasting from Monday to today. We take a break over the weekend. We come back again, uh, you know, from Monday to Friday next week. Uh, so I thank you all. You know, we can't do this on our own. We have a number of guests lined up for next week. Uh, and I just thank you so much. This is the end of our time together today. Miriam, have a nice weekend. Take great care of yourself. Have a good weekend. Okay, bye. African father in America. You are listening to African Father in America podcast by Simon Javanokello, live from Seattle, Washington, USA. You are listening to African Father in America podcast by Simon Javanokello, live from Seattle, Washington, USA. 
Greetings beautiful people. Thank you for joining me for another amazing episode of the African Father in America podcast. My name is Simon Javan Okelo and I am in Seattle, Washington here in the west coast of the US and today I am truly privileged to be uh, having a wonderful wonderful uh, sister uh, as a guest here Miriam Segen is an incredible leader and is joining us today for the show uh, this is an episode that we've been working on for quite a long time and I'm just so happy that it's finally happening uh, Miriam is the founder of the African Art Society uh, Miriam, do you want to just say hi quickly before we continue on with the conversation? Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, good morning for those in the US. And uh, I'm based in London, um, so it's the afternoon for me. But uh, I'm happy to be here and uh, uh, this, have a conversation with you, Simon. Excellent, excellent. Thank you so much, uh, Miriam, again. Uh, I always call you again. Uh, and uh, I was saying just before the show began that I have a lot of love and respect for you, especially because of the content of the work that you do, uh, you know, with art and also the content of your tweets. You always share very deep, historical, meaningful posts on Twitter, especially around the Horn of Africa, which we really need uh, right now. A lot of the time when we hear about Africa, no matter which part of Africa, we just hear it from other sources, not our people especially well, uh, you know, read and uh, educated people like you. So uh, our conversation today, for those who are joining us for the first time, is going to be grounded on another African proverb. Every episode of the African Father in America podcast since 2020 February has always been grounded by an African proverb. And so today our episode takes us to Nigeria, where our proverb says that Truth keeps the hand cleaner than soap. Truth keeps the hand cleaner than soap. Today's proverb is a powerful reminder of the cleansing power of truth. While soap can remove dirt, grim from your hands, uh, only truth can purify your souls. And I want to share three nuggets of wisdom uh, that can just deepen your understanding of today's proverb before we jump into hearing what our guest thinks about this proverb and also learning a lot more about, uh, you know, her background and also some of the work that uh, she's currently doing in London. So the first nugget of wisdom, before I do that, I actually want to remind all our viewers and our listeners, uh, some of whom are in London, some of whom are in the US, some of whom are in uh, you know, in Africa, you know, Brian Berger, I see you joining us in, from Glasgow, uh, MJL, I see you joining us from Florida, and I know that uh, my people in Kenya and the other parts of Africa are also joining us. Make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel, you know, that's one of the ways that you can help grow this platform. And also make sure you share this video, uh, you know, whether you're watching on TikTok, on Facebook, on LinkedIn, uh, on Instagram, you know, take a moment and share this video, leave your comment so that we know that you're watching, but also so that we know your understanding of today's proverb. So I said that the proverb is from Nigeria and it says that truth keeps the hand cleaner than soap. This is the first nugget of wisdom inspired by this proverb, the cleansing power of truth. This Nigeria proverb 
underscores uh, the idea that the truth has a powerful cleansing effect in our lives. Just as soap cleanses our hands, the truth can purify our actions and intention and keep us on the right path. You know, if you are guided by truth, you are almost uh, as if you're walking with your, with your, if you all remember during the pandemic, you only wanted to associate with people who had uh, hand sanitizers. <laughs> now, uh, this probably reminds us that, you know, uh, keeping your hands clean is really almost like being truthful. And so let uh, your actions be guided by truth. Let truth be like your soap. Walk with it everywhere. Number two, honesty is essential. It's one of the basics, you know. Uh, the proverb here reminds us that the uh, you know, the, there is a lot of importance when it comes to honesty and being truthful in our lives. You know, being truthful can help us build stronger relationships, gain trust with others, and leave, uh, you know, leave our conscience with a lot of clarity, sleep well, you know. Many people who are always dishonest have even a hard time falling asleep you know their minds are disturbed all the time so if you want to sleep well be truthful number three truth brings peace you know living a life of honesty and truthfulness can bring a sense of peace and contentment in our lives by being true to ourselves and others we can avoid the stress and anxiety that often comes with living a life of deception and deceit uh miriam again when you hear all this and when you hear this Nigerian proverb, truth keeps the hand cleaner than soap, what is it that comes to your mind? Um, make me think of, um, we have a tendency when things um, in life to cover up or look at hiding by having something that looks nice and uh, looking at superficiality to cover for struggles or any issue that we may have, um, we tend to ignore the truth. Um, and um, the truth, um, whether it's living by your own truth or, um, on, on, or really um, uh, not hiding and, um, and it doesn't matter how much you clean, how much you hide, how much you cover up, um, the truth will only be the thing that will allow you to uh, move forward with your life, um, uh, be um, with others. Um, you mentioned how uh, people would only, during pandemic, where people were thinking of, I, I don't want to get close to anyone who's not washing their hands, but um, when you think about your truth, how do you, how does it make you, allow you to live uh, amongst people. Um, when I think about community, something I care a lot about, um, your truth would allow you to um, to live amongst people and others and uh, and be connected to the wider community. Um, yeah. I love that. I love that. Thank you so much, uh, Miriam. Uh, and also thank you to everyone who is joining us on TikTok. Uh, I want you to make sure you share the live if you're watching the show on TikTok and also invite some of your friends who are joining us for the show. We are also live streaming on YouTube and Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. And, uh, you know, without you all, we cannot have these important conversations that we are having right now with our wonderful guest, Miriam Segen. Miriam is, uh, as I said earlier, is the founder of the Africa Art Society, 
which was set up to connect audiences to contemporary artists of African descent. And Miriam sits on the board uh, and uh, the, she sits on the board of the Equalities Advisory Committee of South London Gallery. You know, uh, this is beautiful work. You don't find a lot of Africans in spaces like this. And I want you to share with us just a little background story of how did you, uh, well, what is it that happened in your childhood, maybe when you were 8 to 16, uh, that really inspired who you are today as a leader and whenever you are in these spaces uh, advocating for African artists uh, you know you are reminded of that moment of your childhood uh, that drives you even today as we are here having this conversation yeah so um, so I so I, I grew up in France um, and uh, I, I came as a refugee with my parents. It was uh, during the time of the uh, independence war for Eritrea. And um, so we were not many Eritreans um, in, in France, but we were all connected irrespective of the city where we were. And um, something that um, my, my, my dad was doing uh, during, all, first, during the time since the day we arrived in France was to stay connected to the community, but not just to have that um, that link with others, but also to whatever knowledge she was getting, um, whatever whatever access and um, uh, information he was getting, he was making sure that it was spread around the community. Um, he was giving guidance. He was um, mentoring, um, pushing everyone to. To, to, to the broader community to, uh, to, to find um, the best path to make sure that they, they were having a safe life and uh, able to raise their children. Um, so my dad was very much um, uh, someone that was that cared a lot about the community and make, making sure that everyone was successful, but also was able to access um, the same thing that he was able to for his own family. And that's something that struck me, that was very important to me, something that I didn't realize at the time, I was just seeing my dad just um, uh, being, uh, encouraging everyone. Um, but that's something that for me um, showed that how important it is to whatever privilege you have access to, um, whatever um, network you have access to, it's important to, to share it with the, the wider community so that everyone can, to, to lift up everyone and um, making sure that you get to, to that place where um, you, you, everyone is accessing the same privilege that you have. Um, and that's something that became very much important to me as I was getting uh, access to certain other type of privilege, uh, whether it was in France or now in the UK. Um, yeah, so that, that that's something that really, yeah, that, that, that still remains with me and something that inspired me a lot. And I'm hoping to 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 to, to the same thing. Yeah, that's that's wonderful. Uh, you know, I, I remember being raised by a mother that fits the characteristics of your dad that you're describing to us who was always not just fighting for us as her children but we had like you know tens of children that lived with us in our household on a day-to-day -day basis and it really it really shaped who i am today and i love that you know you're taking these lessons uh, from your dad and you're bringing it to to Europe, from France to now London, where uh, 
uh, you are not just you know focused on your own initiatives but you're deeply involved with uh, human rights work in Eritrea you are focused on uh, the way that refugees are being treated is something that concerns you uh, and you are very passionate about the work that is going on in South London gallery I was telling you before the show that my oldest sister and her family live in South London and so uh, what the work you're doing is very important to me I just realized that right now so I want you to talk to us about what is it of the work you do at South London Gallery what is it about it that makes you you know very very proud Yes so I think um I I've been interested in African art or in art in general for, for the longest and more specifically artists that are coming from the African continent whether it's they are based in Africa or they're in the diaspora uh, because it talks to me um, but I also see so much um, value whether even if you're not an artist or someone who wants to become an artist as as a, as a, as a, as a, as a human being as an African uh, art has been present on the African continent for the longest. Um, we don't talk too much about it. We don't have the knowledge about how far it goes, but it's been there for the longest. And um, it's important to me to have um, that connection with, um, to, 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 to learn from artists from African descent. And so that's why I have the, I decided to build that African Art Society platform um, as I'm spending so much time going around art exhibition and also meeting artists um, to show their existence and the work they are doing. Um, when it comes to the South London Gallery, um, they are, it's based in South London, um, obviously but uh it's also um so i don't know if, if you're familiar with london south um the area of um south east london um is uh, there's a huge um african uh, diaspora uh, from ghana from nigeria but also from somalia um, and other uh, places in africa and the place that the south london gallery has in the middle of that large African community is very crucial because um, we have a, a program that is free um, to bring the children of the community into the art world to teach them about the different type of arts that exist um, and uh, get them very familiar. There's also a film uh, program to expose them to to what the filming is about and it's again a free program um, so I sit on the board of Southern Gallery but I'm also part of the equality um, committee which is focusing on the staff because one other aspect of the art is that not just um, we, we don't have much visibility for African artists but we also don't have many people working in the arts that come from African descent and one of the reasons is because you don't get paid that much when you work in art so um, and the other aspect is also the exposure to arts um, so with the, com the, the, the committee we we, uh, we make sure that anyone from diversity background um, is not meeting issue, any issues so if they have any concerns with the way they are um the 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 things are working for them if they need some help um, then they can reach out to that committee i, I, I am part of to uh, to address those issues and um, find a solution so that they can feel comfortable and uh, um, excel at that job in the art world that's fantastic that's fantastic i love how you also mentioned that african art 
uh, has been in existence for the longest time, maybe the oldest uh, form of art around, you know. And in fact, if you look at, I recently I've been watching a lot of viral videos uh, that are calling out uh, some of these big fashion brands that are stealing African art and infusing it in their own uh, branding and making millions of dollars while African uh, you know, artists and creators and tribes that own the original uh, pieces are uh, struggling, you know. Uh, I want you to speak about that. I want you to speak about that briefly, but I also then want you to talk about, uh, you know, the human rights issues that are going on in Eritrea uh, and some of the ways that uh, African refugees are being treated in Europe and uh, just your own perspectives and some of the work that you see that is going on to change, uh, you know, to change all of these three things. Uh, now, before you speak, um, Miriam, I just want to remind our audience members who are watching on YouTube, make sure you leave us with your comment so that we know what you think about today's proverb from Nigeria. Truth keeps the hand cleaner than soap. Let us know in the comment what you think. Miriam, go ahead. Yeah, so I guess on the, uh, you're absolutely right. We see, like, I guess recently we've been seeing more um, a reminder of how African art is being copied and not credited for the, 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 the creativity behind. Um, it's not new. Um, Picasso did copy African art and got all the credibility um, and uh, the, the popularity behind, um, and that was stolen from um, African artists. Um, I guess one of the challenges that, um, uh, and the reason why that um, the West is able to steal from African artists is because African artists are not being seen and uh, valued and um, exhibited in places that have that kind of exposure, and that's basically Europe or um, the US. Um, so the, 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 the more visible artists from Africa are going to be, the less, the more difficult it will be to copy them without crediting them with the actual creativity. So hopefully we'll get there soon. I love that. So the idea of ensuring that African artists are visible uh, and, and they are shown with their work as consistently as possible makes it difficult for their work to be copied. I love that. I love that. Uh, that's why I do these proverbs, because when an African shares these proverbs and we document it on podcast platforms, video, uh, you will not find somebody else actually copying them and using them carelessly. So I feel that I am taking part in preserving a, a, a form of African art, which is African proverbs. And of course, African wisdom, uh, you know, lives in these proverbs. Um, but I want you to speak about Eritrea. You know, Eritrea, a lot of the time for me is a mysterious place, you know. Uh, until recently, when uh, the new Ethiopian prime minister started going there, we started seeing the Eritrean prime minister on TV. And then even most recently, he, he visited Kenya, you know. And in fact, in Kenya right now, as we speak, uh, you know, uh, more than half of the country are out in the street. You know, we have an illegitimate government that is about to be kicked out of uh, of the state house uh, because of how the West actually influenced bringing into power the current uh, illegitimate government in Kenya. And I feel that 
the West uh, does a lot of interference in the affairs of Africa. Even if you look at Nigeria right now, uh, people are accepting, but they're not moving on, you know. And uh, I just I just wonder, like, from your own perspective, from an artist, uh, an artistic perspective, from your own observation, from your experiences as... Um, you know, someone who has lived in France and and, uh, and 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 the UK. How do you see the situation back in Eritrea and you know, just in general, Africa? Yeah, I guess um, the, the the challenge for non-Eritrean with when it comes to Eritrea is um, the the you don't see what is happening on the ground um, unless someone, unless you read the reports um, and the human rights reports that are uh, published on an annual basis. And if you also listen to the testimonies of Eritreans who have fled the country, because Eritrea, so Eritrea became independent um, about uh, in 1993 after a referendum. Um, the, the, the war for independence ended in 1991. Um, but we haven't had any elections um, since the independence, so three decades of the same uh, president, which was not elected. It was uh, he was a part of the uh, interim um, interim govern uh, government uh, that was tasked with um, uh, getting the constitution together and uh, preparing for election. But elections have not happened. Um, you don't have any opposition um, allowed in the country. Um, you have uh, only a state-owned media, so you don't have any privately-owned media. Um, and anyone who is speaking against the, the or criticizing the regime ends up in, a, in jail um, with no trial. Um, so there's been three decades of um, um, everyone, people getting into in, in, in jail without any trial, uh, but um, and you have also indefinite um, military service. So there are other, you have countries where you have the, the military service is mandatory, but it's usually two years um, or 18 months. In Eritrea, there's no end date. Um, so not only there's no end date, uh, but also uh, the, 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 the people who are in the military service might be um, sent to work. Um, so it's, they, they call it modern day uh, uh, slavery. So um, uh, they, they are sent to work in, uh, in factories or um, for very, very little um, money. Um, so the current state of Eritrea is you, 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 and you don't have any freedom of movement. That's another thing. So um, you, you have checkpoints um, and you need to have a permit as an Eritrean citizen to be able to move around the country. Um, and you cannot leave the country as an Eritrean. Um, you need to have an exit visa, which is um, unlikely to be um, granted by the by the government. So, so today, I mean, for the last um, few decades, um, we often hear about Eritrean as refugees coming to Europe um, or the US. Um, Eritrean are fleeing the country because um, uh, they are fleeing independent uh, military service. They are fleeing uh, oppression. Uh, they are fleeing uh, persecution because of their religious belief. Um, Pentecostal or even uh, can, uh, people cannot practice their religion, for example. Um, so we've had, we, we do have a lot of uh, Eritreans leaving the country for those uh, for human rights um, uh, issues. Um, and um, when it comes to the point you were making about uh, the West uh, interference, 
um, it's a, an interesting one because um, we often hear you would have um, those who are supporting the, the current state um, of Eritrea would uh, argue that it is standing strongly against um, uh, against the, uh, the, the the Western interference, but that's more complex. That's that's not entirely true. You, you have a lot of investments that are made. Um, by um, American companies or European companies or Australian companies. So the reason really that that, that argument doesn't really stand. Um, so yeah, so human rights um, in Eritrea are non-existent today. Um, and there are reports coming out on an annual basis about um, how bad it is. Um, and yes, the, the, and, and the Eritrean president did go to um, Kenya recently and had a, there was a press uh, conference that uh, was held. And interestingly, one of the journalists uh, asked a question about um, when, uh, what was the plan after his, uh, his uh, presidency, whether he had planned to um, step down or if he was going to stay as a president for until he dies. Um, and uh, and uh, he, he had a very bad reaction to that question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's it's it's incredible. It's incredible uh, what the histories of our countries and especially Eritrea. And uh, I just want you to also speak about something that uh, I saw you post uh, on International Women's Day, uh, the Jigna Women Fighters, the Eritrean Liberation Front. You know, I love stories about uh, women liberation fighters in Africa they are rarely talked about, you know? Mm. And that makes me very mad because I know how hard my mom worked. And I know that if my mom was Eritrean in 1977, she would be one of these women with an AK-47, you know, liberating her community, you know? Mm. Uh, talk to me about uh, why this is important to you, the story of the Jigna women. Just say it properly if I don't say it well. No, no, yeah, absolutely. Um, I know I mentioned the, uh, the 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 state of Eritrea, but I think the important thing, which is um, I mean, in Eritrea, but also I guess it's probably something across um, Africa, is the love that the people have for their community and for their country. Um, and uh, during the War of Independence, it was not only men who went to fight for the liberation of the country; it was also women um, and. Uh, they, they had um, similar position, they were fighting, they were trained, um, they, had, they were either medical uh, on the medical side or they were uh, fighting along uh, with men. And that's something that is very important because, I mean, we, we come from women and, uh, and, the, and, and the, 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 the thought that um, those before you were strong women that, were, that, would, that would sacrifice their life um, to protect uh, not only their children, but also the broader community is uh, something that is very powerful. Um, my, my mom was actually a freedom fighter along with my dad, so that's before we came to, to France. And um, when I, when I see, whenever I see women fighting um, or represented as fighters, it's, uh, it's for me it's a strong message that uh, women really um, carry um, the community, carry their, um, their, their, their country um, and without women, uh, there isn't. And, and, and it's interesting to me because um, despite the contribution of women, um, they don't necessarily hold as much power 
after the liberation as men do. Um, so that's something that is also interesting to me, the, 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 the contribution versus um, the, the recognition. Um, we need to recognize more um, African women who are fighting for their, for the, yeah, for their people. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, I just love uh, having this conversation with you. I feel like questions keep coming up. I have one more question for you, uh, but I want to engage our audience members, especially those who are on YouTube who join us consistently uh, and those who are joining us on LinkedIn and Facebook and uh, TikTok. Uh, those who are on TikTok, make sure you share the link and also make sure you share with me in the comments where in the world you're joining us from. Uh, and uh, I'm here with a really, really wonderful guest, Miriam Segen, who is the founder of the African Art Society. And uh, the African Art Society was set up to connect audiences to contemporary artists of African descent. And uh, Miriam also sits on the Equalities Advisory Committee of South London Gallery. We've talked about so many things, you know, from uh what inspires her as uh you know from her childhood to do the work that she does today we've talked about uh you know the human rights situation in eritrea uh, we've talked about the freedom fighters the women freedom fighters you know this is still march women history month and we just celebrated international women's day and so we just talked about some of the women that fought for the independence, the, the freedom of Eritrea. Um, and, uh, you know, Miriam, because you're very knowledgeable and because you're in London, uh, as we are hearing from our guests, you know, as we are getting the comments, I want to give you all some shout outs. So if you're on YouTube, make sure you let me know where in the world you're joining us from so that I can give you a shout out before the end of the show. And also make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel it's at Okelo Javan or Afia Podcast, African Father in America Podcast. Um, Miriam, you know, one of the things that uh, fascinate me and annoy me at the same time is the story of these stolen African artifacts. You know, last year during Africa Day, I interviewed someone from London. He's an executive director of an organization in London that documents all the stolen African artifacts, you know. Um, I wanted you to speak about that. In your work with the African Art Society, have you interacted with any of these stolen artifacts? And what are your thoughts? Uh, should they all be returned to Africa where they were, were stolen from? Or should they just be taken care of and uh, African people in the countries where these artifacts are be given the authority to take care of these artifacts but also make some money off of them because you're in the gallery business and art galleries make a lot of money but we need money to go to the communities where uh, even even some of the heads of leaders from africa are still in london uh, warehouses and galleries you know and these are things that concern me you know speak to that for a moment yeah, um, yeah it is, uh, I think the first, um, France has started to do, uh, there was a research um, that was made to identify how many um, had been uh, artifacts had been stolen. Um, the, the report was quite massive. Um, and I think um, Germany was had done something similar following up. Um, and uh, they, 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 are meant, they are talking about intention to return 
uh, those artifacts. I think they are a long way of actually returning the artifact. The, the acknowledgement is one step. Um, what we want to see is the return of those artifacts. Um, the UK is more uh, reluctant. The British Museum doesn't want to return those artifacts. Um, and uh, my, my, in, in my opinion, that should be returned. As you mentioned, um, uh, it, it, I mean, there's two aspects of it. Um, those are art. This, this is art that has been created by Africans. Um, and the importance of those, those artifacts is that they are representative of the local um, community. Um, they do mean something, it's part of history. Um, when you take away art from anywhere in Africa, you take away the history of that country. Um, the history and the culture is, um, is important because it, it allows us to, to know where we're from, where we're coming from. Um, so that's the first aspect, the need for that art to be close to the community that uh, whose ancestors have created those arts. Um, the other element is the financial aspect. Um, as, as a museum, as a museum in Benin, in, uh, in the capital of uh, Benin, um, you can lend, you can lend, uh, lend the, uh, the, the art to um, the a museum in New York, for example, if you want, because obviously art, everyone needs to see art, whatever the country is, um, has created that, um, that art, but you can, um, today, museums are borrowing art from each other to show the art to the local community. Um, there is a cost behind, but that cost goes to the country where the art was taught initially. So um, the, 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 when you return those artifacts, you're not saying that we are gatekeeping those artifacts, you're saying that you want to 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 be able to manage and um and and store and uh, make sure that uh, the art is protected um, and that you also are able to give the narrative around the art how it's been created how um what was the purpose of that art you know um and uh, and that's for the community uh, and the country to control and to define the story around that art it's not for france it's not for the uk to say um, why to, 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 to tell the story um, about the art that was created, say, um, in Cameroon, for example. Um, so that's, that's my perspective. I think that it should go back. Um, um, yeah. And other arguments that are being given by uh, in terms of not returning those art is uh, that um, those countries don't have the infrastructure to, uh, to, to do it. But um, I think it's a, it's a weak argument. Um, and that's something that can be organized, countries can choose to, uh, to, 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 to finance or to fund a museum to make sure that this is happening. Yeah, but also the same people are saying these African countries can't take care of their own artifacts. They're the ones who destroyed the museums in Africa where these artifacts were. They're the ones who destroyed the libraries in Africa, you know. So they should actually pay for the building of these libraries. They should pay uh, the families of the people whose whose body parts, you know, their heads of chiefs in Af from Africa, even a Kenyan chief, uh, their head is still in London somewhere, you know. Uh, so the, 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 the British should be paying, the Germans should be paying for the, for the, for the museums that can preserve these art artifacts to be built because they destroyed it. And history actually shows us that it's not thousands of years ago it's just a few hundred years ago not even a few hundred a little almost 200 years you know ago so uh 
you know, I just thank you so much, uh, Miriam, for being such a wonderful guest. I want to just recognize some of the comments coming from our our audience members. I just want to thank everyone who is joining us on TikTok. You know, uh, I haven't been so, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, very very active on TikTok the way I'm supposed to be. So now I'm live streaming on TikTok as part of the live broadcast for the African Father in America podcast every Monday to Friday at 6 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. That is 5 p.m. East African Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's the East Coast of the U.S. And I think it's around 3 p.m. London Time. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, 2 p.m. 2 p.m. 2 p.m. London Time. Okay, great, great, great. So uh, as you know, or as you are seeing or listening, my guest has been Miriam Segen, the founder of the African Art Society. And uh, you should listen to the beginning of this conversation to get caught up on some of the things we covered. But I want to give a shout out to, uh, you know, M. Jewel joining us from uh, Florida. Uh, and M. Jewel says that uh, she also feels strongly uh, that the Europeans should return all of the stolen art to Africa. Uh, it it certainly doesn't represent them in any form uh, outside of thievery, you know? Yeah, if you have artwork that you stole from somewhere and you're still keeping it, then you're a thief, you know? Because in a court of law, uh, thieves are always caught with the evidence of what they're being accused of stealing, you know? So I agree with what M. Jerrell is saying here. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Cubs Destiny, who is also saying, uh, good now people, truth gives people sleep. That is true. That is in relation to the proverb today. And also Brian Berge is saying hello to you, Segan, is in Glasgow. And Brian Berge and I used to go to the same boxing gym in Kenya. So we knew, we've known each other for a long time. So Brian, thank you. You are one of the people that really, really support me. Uh, even when I was a DJ, long before I moved to Seattle, I was a reggae DJ. Brian supported me. And even when I was in high school, I remember you, Brian. So I just thank you very much for still, uh, you know, checking on me, even from where you are in London. I hope I can see you actually sometime in June. I'm hoping to be in London for a few days. Now, um, to everybody who will be watching this later on, uh, you know, thank you all. I see a lot of growth on my YouTube channel and that's where we are putting a lot of energy uh, so that we can grow the African Father in America podcast so that we can get uh, these African proverbs to many, many people on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, I feel very, very proud as the father of three children here in America who are African children uh, to have conversations with them around African proverbs on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, where sometime when, when I have a difference with one of them, another one brings up an African proverb that solves a problem, you know. I think that is very, very important. And so I want to encourage you, if you haven't uh, invited a friend of yours to subscribe to my channel, this is a good time for you to do that. If you haven't uh, shared the link to today's video, this is a good time for you to do that. And also, if you haven't commented with your own interpretation of today's proverb, the proverb is from Nigeria, and it says, Truth keeps the hand cleaner than soap. Every episode of the African Father in America podcast starts with beautiful African proverbs, and uh, we can't do this without our wonderful guests like uh, Miriam. Miriam, how can people who are watching 
stay connected with you and also how can they support the amazing work that you do yeah um so i have a, my platform is on instagram it's called um, african art society um so at the moment i'm mostly um uh, putting the spotlight on artists with uh, roots in africa and trying to have um as many coverage of countries uh, as possible i'm planning on um growing uh, this platform into something that is about giving more details on like um, information about um, art exhibition that you can go and see but also uh, more um, profiling about um, those, those artists learning and uh, getting more knowledge about those artists that are coming from africa um, so that's the main platform that i have um, and you can follow me there um, if you subscribe on the newsletter there as well um, uh, I'm working on a newsletter to uh, give more details around that as well. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you so much, Miriam. I just want you to know that this is now your platform. Anytime you have an event going on that you want your people to be aware of, anytime there's an issue going on in Eritrea where you want to come and speak about it, this is your platform. So thank you for making the time despite your busy schedule over there in London. And, uh, you know, I want to thank Brother Arth. Brother, Brother Arth is an amazing uh, supporter of the show. He's also joining us on YouTube. And uh, I want to thank everybody who supported us this week. You know, we've been broadcasting from Monday to today. We take a break over the weekend. We come back again, uh, you know, from Monday to Friday next week. Uh, so I thank you all. You know, we can't do this on our own. We have a number of guests lined up for next week. Uh, and I just thank you so much. This is the end of our time together today. Miriam, have a nice weekend. Take great care of yourself. Have a good weekend. Okay, bye. Listening to African Father in America podcast by Simon Javanokello live from Seattle, Washington, USA.